You know, it's a, it's a pleasure each week to um, have the opportunity to share God's word uh, with you. You know, it's uh, as I look back on this past uh, year and what it's brought us, and even personally, it's really neat to uh, each week to be pouring over scripture, reading and preparing to share something uh, that I believe God's laid on my heart with you. And today's going to be very different. Um, it's going to be somewhat similar, and yet the, the Lord, I believe, by the Holy Spirit has impressed a few things on my heart, but it's going to be a little bit of a scriptural journey, if you a little bit of a, um, a journey through a few different passages of scripture and talking about the touch of God. Last week, we looked at the importance of being born again. Maybe you wrestle with that this week of what it means and what it looks like to be born again. And like you, I did that same contemplative journey. What does it really mean to be born again? That when we believe in Jesus, he changes us from the inside out. And so today, as we look at it, as we start our series, The Touch of God, we're starting with the first letter of the word touch, and that is transformation. Transformation, that the touch of God transforms us. Who would have thought that when you have a relationship with Jesus, there's actually going to be a transformation or a metamorphosis? When you came to Jesus, if you were to, you know, write your biography, you could probably write the time and date in which you gave, gave your life to Christ. Maybe there were some stories and circumstances around that coming to Christ moment. And I'm going to encourage you as I preach today, a little something new for the new year. If something's blessing you, if something's touching your heart, feel free to say amen. Feel free to maybe even get a hand wave. You know, we used to call it the glory hand wave um, back in the day, growing up in the, in the Pentecostal church. Um, but just so that I know a little bit that it's, it's ministering to you, it's, it's touching your heart. Because I don't want to speak in a matter of the flesh, not that I'm doing that, but I really truly want to be tentative to the spirit and where he's speaking, who he's speaking to, um, as I endeavor to do that faithfully. And so this afternoon, I'd like us to look at Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four, and this is just our starting ground. We're not parking here. This is our launch pad. Okay. We're launching into this new series and I'm praying and believing it's all going to make sense at the end, Graham. It's all going to come together. I'm really believing that. So here we go, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 says this. And I want you to put yourself in this story. Whenever you hear the word Israel, remember it's referring to you also now because we've been grafted in as the people of God, as members of God's household through Christ. It says this. You ready? Ready, Debbie? Here we go. Listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. This verse, I mean, there's a lot in here you could look at and, and apply to your life. And something that just reached out and just as if it just smacks me right in the forehead, literally it says, bind them as a sign on your hand 
and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. And what's, what's Moses talking about as he's given this utterance by the Spirit of the Lord? That is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And this is something that as I was pondering those words of being born again, of giving my life to Jesus, what does that mean? That means above all, everything else, to love the Lord your God above all else. And that's something hard to do today, isn't it? It's something definitely difficult. And yet, Jesus makes a way for this to be possible. Jesus makes a way. Now, the time when Moses said this, the people of God were like, hooray, yeah, we're going to do this, Moses. Everything that God has said to you, we're going to do it. We're going to live it. Whatever he has said, whatever's written on the stone tablets even, we're going to fulfill the covenant. But later along, down the road, just like us, the people of Israel faltered. Here and there, they would miss the boat, if you will. A few missteps. God would have to call them back by the prophets. And they would begin to step in the right direction again. But then, DW, they would, they would falter and they would fail. But then God would speak into the, the time. He would speak into their great hour of need and say, in Ezekiel 36, verse 25, I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart as stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. And so here you have to love what he's saying here is that how are we going to actually love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength? It's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. But this power isn't something that is going to be private in nature. It's something that's meant to be public. It's meant to be on your doorpost. It's meant to be a sign on your hand. It's meant to be binded on your forehead that everyone knows that you're going to love the Lord your God with all that you are. But the emphasis here you have to love is he's saying that my spirit will make it so. It's kind of like if you're a Trekkie, I don't know if how many people are sci-fi people, but if you watch Next Generation, the captain of Enterprise, whenever he would say, make it so, it was done. And it was made possible. The people of the ship believed that they were going to make it through the day. Here, the writers of Scripture, as the Spirit gave utterance, encourage us here today, this time in history, in 2022, the way that we can love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength is by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just supposed to be intimate, a personal relationship. It's meant to be public and lived out in the marketplace. And the reason why I'm, I'm saying this, what I'm encouraging with this afternoon, is when you look at the world, if you were partaking in some New Year's festivities, especially in this COVID time, you can see where people's priorities really lie. And I'm not dismissing any parties of what people were doing and celebrating. The Bible says that God has created everything and everything for our enjoyment. And the fact that we believe in Jesus, everything is pure to us. And yet it's at these celebrations we can see what matters. 
You know, you look around and maybe people go to these concerts and they idolize performers and they believe their life's going to be never the same because they got to see their favorite musician, their favorite rock star, their favorite Nashville or something. I was uh, hanging out with some friends on, on New Year's Eve, the Crutchfields, and we were having a little party of our own. Um, but, you know, I was actually blessed in that experience because I honestly thought our time together in a time of worship and declaring God's goodness as we listen to you guys um, lead in song over live stream, far more enriching, far more blessing to my spirit than the New Year's celebration itself. In comparison to what was going on on stage, what was happening with performers, here was a family who desired to just put it out there online and to bless people in a time of, of song and truly worship to God. And I was really blessed by that. And it, it took me back saying, this is what matters. Here they were, this family was making it known like on the doorpost virtually, as for our house, we want to serve the Lord. We want to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength to the point where they said, God is calling us to ministry and full-time ministry down south in Florida. And so today, at the end of the service, we want to honor Jess and and DW. Um, They've come out, you know, a handful of times and have been with us and leading us in worship, but we want to bless you. The Bible says to lay hands on one another and 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 ascribe a, a, a parching, a blessing, an impartation. And we want to do that for you uh, when we finish today's service. But this passage here is deeply encouraging for me, and I hope it is for you, where it says, how can you love the Lord your God with all your heart? By the power of his Holy Spirit. And so maybe this new year, you know, you're embarking on some resolutions, Usually it's, you know, exercise, typically. I mean, that's something that I'm endeavoring to do. It's always the, probably number, number one. But what are some of those resolutions? What are some of those realizations that have led to those resolutions? What are some of those realizations that have led to those resolutions? And I say that for a purpose because in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, it says this. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. A patient spirit is better than a proud spirit. This new year, as I contemplate on these passages of scripture, the key to transformation, the key to any resolution of loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we need to realize that we can't do it on our own. And if we are resolved to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, that's the driving force that we will truly be able to live after him in this dark world. Amen. And so these are just the pieces. But it says here in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8, the end of the matter is better than its beginning. At the end of the day, when we're born again, we come to Christ, something has to you know, lose out. Something has to be removed. There's a change. There's an exchange happening. When you came to Jesus, I'm sure that in that moment you realize, God, I'm I'm a sinner and I need you. There was a realization. My life is empty without you. I need you, Lord Jesus. And through that resolution and that resolve of faith, he said, because of your faith, I'm taking care of everything. Behold, I'm making all things new, is what Jesus said. I make all things new. Think about it. What are the things in your life that you've been waiting to see breakthrough? And as we are seeing today, what is that it? What are those things that you're longing for God to prevail in your life? What are those things? 
And I really believe, when he, as he says, by the power of his Holy Spirit, that we, when we endeavor, when we're resolved to love him with all our soul and with all our strength, he's going to fulfill that in our life when we realize that we need his spirit. And yet, Graham, you know, sometimes we fail. Not to singularly out, just saying, <laughs> we fail. I fail. Jim, Barb, we fail. Sometimes we just downright fall on our face, and yet I'm encouraged by a passage of Scripture, Psalm 37, sorry, 73, verse 26. I was thinking of something else. Psalm 73, verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. And when we realize that he is truly our portion, that nothing else in this world can satisfy, no person, no celebrity, nothing can truly satisfy except that which can truly fill the spirit of the Lord, we will not fail. Our hearts will not fail because we've been transformed. We're able to want what God wants. And so our next passage of scripture, I believe, will speak to us of why this transformation is so important and so necessary. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. And just to set this thing up a little bit, because you believe in Jesus, because I believe in Christ, as we looked at last week, Jesus has begun a transformation inside of your heart. He's like the great surgeon. He's, he's reached in and performed a spiritual surgery. Working on our, our heart, which is not our physical heart, but the, what is not physical, our mind, will, and emotions, the seat of our personality. And his spirit is able to reach in like a great surgeon, reach in and take care of business and start putting things into working order as he has destined us to work in. So look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. It talks about this new world, this reconciliation, this transformation, this metamorphosis that happens because of Jesus. In verse 16 it says, From now on, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Think about that. For a moment, you guys are no longer to be known from a worldly perspective. Even if we known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God." How incredible is this that by the power of his Holy Spirit, the very moment that you believed, you were included with him, the Bible says, marked with his promised Holy Spirit, sealing you for the day of the coming of the Lord. 
And until that day comes, he's working this spiritual surgery in your life, in your heart of hearts, to want what he wants, to live fast after him with all your heart, soul, and mind. To be on your doorpost of your household, to be a mark on your forehead, that when you go in the marketplace, people know that you're a Christian that they know that you're a Christian. They're going to see this transformation. And I heard once someone say to me that the transformation doesn't really matter. Now, no, we're not, we're not walking into a place of magistrates and judges and judging whether someone's saved or not. That's for God to decide. But there is something that can be quantified by the way a person lives their life. And so I'm moved and deeply encouraged that when I look through the pages of scripture and even seeing the great failure and the missteps, you can see that when people turn to God, when they turn, that's what repentance means, they were able to see the power and favor of God come upon their life and see breakthrough. Even Noah, when, the, when things looked grim and dark because Noah and his family trusted in God, that when he flooded the whole earth, he and his whole family were saved. Transformation is necessary. It's an important reality of faith in Christ. Take out this word. Transformation by definition is this. A qualitative change in nature and appearance. A qualitative change in nature and appearance. So maybe you're here today, and maybe there's been a time where you're saying, you know, there's this nature in me. I'm seeing breakthrough. I'm seeing transformation. But there's parts of my nature where I haven't seen that breakthrough as of yet. It doesn't mean that God can't work on that nature in your life. It's taking a little bit more time. Not that his power is ineffective, but that we need to truly press into him and trust and ask him to move in our life to resolve that nature in our heart of hearts because it's measurable. If if by definition, it is truly measurable. So as we were singing today, I got really excited, worship team, because, you know, I purposely don't look at the worship set when uh, when I'm getting ready to come to church. Um, I probably glanced at it when you guys put it in the set, but I completely put it out of mind. And we were practicing today and leading worship. I thought this is fantastic because of this reality, but by faith in Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us victory in our life of this promised transformation. Because from this passage of scripture we just read, that God has taken us out of the old world and is putting us into this new world because we trust in Christ. Yeah, at times we look out the window and the world can look, you know, grim. It can look dark. It's kind of like a multiverse (laughs) at times, a multiverse where God's working and his spirit is breaking through and transforming lives. But when we rest in him, when we trust in him, he's going to continue the process. So as we go to the next passage of scripture, continue to think, what are those things? What are those things in my nature that God is revealing in my life and he's going to bring me through? For me, it was frustration and anger in my life, in my nature. What I mean by that is, from a young age, um, I'm trying to figure out a word all this, but just to be open and transparent with you, is that there were things that could really easily bother me. <laughs> Putting it delicately. And my dad would always say to me as a kid, Andrew, you need to be more diplomatic. You need to be more diplomatic. And it took me a long time to truly live into that. And that was the work of the Holy Spirit. So the reason why I'm saying that is there's things that are instantaneous 
And then there's things that are progressive. But when we believe that all those things are possible for God, he can work in and through it. But when we're resisted, when we have a a hardened heart, a heart that is stone-like, it's much harder for God to move that stone. Not that that stone's impossible for him, but he's not going to enforce his nature upon us. We have to want and desire the nature, that terraforming that he's trying to begin in our life. Remember what he says, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit, but you have to want it. You have to want it. And so for me, I had to want to be more diplomatic. Romans 8.28 says this. We know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But we can't stop there. Verse 29 says, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Christ was not supposed to be an anomaly. He wasn't supposed to be like Neo in the Matrix, the only one that could bend and change reality. He's supposed to be one of many, a firstborn of many brothers and sisters. That when we trust in him, when we believe in him, he's able to work all those things. Even the area which you think the enemy has control, the area in which you think you're never going to have breakthrough, your breakthrough's coming. If the breakthrough can come through for me and, and growing a, a greater temperament and of greater peace, not that I'm not a peaceful person, but having a little bit more patience with people, he can work in your life too. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says this, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It doesn't say partial freedom. It says freedom. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in the mirror at the glory of the Lord and are all being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is spirit. This is from the Lord who is spirit. So the reality for every Christian, to answer that question that really baffled me earlier, does God desire to work transformation in all of our lives? Yes. Is he going to be faithful to see it through? Yes. Could it be instantaneous? Absolutely. Sometimes will it be progressive? Yes. But the promise here from the dawn of time itself to the glory of God is that we would reflect his image as if looking through a mirror. And so my new prayer for this new, this new year is to desire transformation as if looking through a physical mirror and say, Jesus, I want to reflect your glory. I truly want to be like you. Because if we're truly like Christ, that's what's going to move mountains. That's what's going to impact our community. That's what's going to impact people's lives. And we'll actually be able to be real with people because we can actually say, I understand what you're going through, but I want you to know that's not at the end of road for you. That God is going to change your life. But you need to give your life. You need to surrender your life to him. That's part of this whole process. Again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so maybe you're watching online, you're sitting here today wondering, well, what are those definitive results of transformation beyond, you know, Andrew being more diplomatic? Maybe there's more patience or the the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Beyond all those things, what are those results? What's the result of this metamorphosis? One of them is peace with God. 
can't begin to tell you when you study other religions and you see the basis of many religions is a fear of creator, this tremendous fear of God. And yet because we believe in Jesus, the wrath of God, which is true, it's passed over us because of our faith in Christ. The Bible says that we do not come under judgment or wrath, but experience peace. Check this out in Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus. We have peace with God through Jesus. And so we have this peace as part of the transformation. Number two, we have an adoption as sons and daughters. As, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, we're part of this family. You know, some of us maybe come from broken families. Maybe in those families, there ha you haven't experienced peace. Maybe not like a peace that the Bible talks about. And yet this is something that's far different and superior to the things of this world, that we can have peace with God and that we're adopted into his family, that we all have a place, that we all belong, and all that it takes is to believe in him. John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name. You who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. Galatians 3, 26. For through faith, you were all sons of God in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can forget that this sonship, this sons and daughters of God, is dependent upon the good works that we do. You know, I'm, I'm a good son, I'm a good daughter because of what I put into it. And that's not what scripture talks about. We will love and the outflowing of our love will result in those, those works and those acts of righteousness. But at the end of the day, we're brought into the family, we have peace with God because of our faith in him. That's a transformation that no other faith in this world can compare. It cannot compare. So again, listen to these words of this new life, this new reality for 2022 as you're looking in the mirror, again from 2 Corinthians 5.16. From now on, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. I do not know Sue and Simon or Lydia or Brad or Marilyn or Jess or DW or Lorraine or John or Wah or Jim or Barb and Graham and Debbie. We no longer know them from a worldly perspective. For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. The new has come. Everything, all of this is from God who has reconciled us to himself. And so let that be on your doorpost. Let that be on your forehead that God is making all things new in your life. Check out 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Therefore, since we've wrapped our mind around this, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And it carries on right into verse 6. And I got to tell you, I usually would have stopped there. It says, working together with him, there's a partnership, working together with him, we also appeal to you, put yourself in the story, we appeal to you, don't receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, at an acceptable time, I listened to you, and, then at, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. 
See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Usually you would stop, but when you realize, as we were together with him, when we realize his favor, when we realize his spirit has been poured out, when we realize because we believe in him, he's given us a new heart, that he's performed that surgery, we're going to continue to live into this new reality. The enemy wants us to take the wrong path. The enemy, and I'm going to get the reference wrong because I, it's been a while since I watched the movie, is going to try and make us take the red pill, I think it is to go down the rabbit hole of disaster. But here, this gracious favor of God is saying, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. You can truly live like the saved. You can truly live like the transformed, regenerated person you are because real change is possible. I got an email the other night. A person wrote me and just very frankly said, I don't know what to do. I feel as if I don't matter. I have no purpose. What impact, what mark am I really leaving on this world? I'd be far better off if I just left this life. I got this email. Of course, I sink sitting at my computer like, oh my goodness, Lord, what do I say? Like this, this is serious business. But at the end of the day, it made me realize this is what the enemy wants to do in each of our hearts to get us dissuaded, to get us off mission, to try and corrupt the heart which has been transformed. He likes to put that seed of doubt in saying, you know, Dan, you're not really transformed. You think you're transformed. It's a losing battle. You might as well give up anyway. Come over to my side. Come to the dark side of the forest, if you will. It's so much more fun. But at the end of the day, it's a false, it's a falsehood. At the end of the day, this true life is found in Christ. Look at the Apostle Paul as we transition. Um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up in a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 looks at the man, the Apostle Paul, as one of the worst in the history of the church. Now, before he became the Apostle Paul, as Saul, he persecuted the church. He came at it from every angle that he possibly could, persecuting, even sanctioning the killing of those who were followers of the way of faith in Christ. And yet God got a hold of his life. He radically transformed Paul on the road to Damascus, changed his life. He was never the same. And Paul wrote this. And I would invite you, encourage you, as I did with myself, to allow this part of scripture to speak to your heart, to see, speak to that seat of emotion, that seat of your personality, of what God can do by his grace. Check this out in verse 9. For I am the least of all the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me is not in vain. And he doesn't end there. He doesn't just stop and say, the favor of God. Thank you, God, for your favor. And just then went and sat down and just soaked in it for a little bit, Sue. But rather, he said, on the contrary, I work harder than any of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And here's the invitation from since the dawn of time, God has desired for us to follow after him with our heart, soul, and mind, to follow him with our life, for it to be written on the doorsteps, the doorposts, if you will, of our very life, the sign of our forehead. It's not meant for something to be lived out passively, but something to be lived out actively and in reality.
and lived out in reality. And so I want to encourage you this afternoon as we come to a time of worship to embrace transformation. Embrace that metamorphosis, if you will. And the reason why I say metamorphosis is because the word transformation in the English comes from the Latin, and I'm probably going to say it wrong, transfiguratus, that means metamorphosis, change, and transformation. Transformation, real change, is the reality of being Christ followers. And so if someone tells you, hey, it doesn't really matter, you can say, hey, you know what? I was encouraged today. Transformation does matter. You can live out. You can experience that transformation in your life when you give your heart to Jesus and as you continue to surrender to him. And so as we transition to time of worship, hear these words in Titus 3.5 that speaks to this driving force of that transformation. It says in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, he saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. His mercy over you. Through the washing of regeneration and the renewal by his Holy Spirit. This is the promise. This is the heritage for all of us. This is a promise for me. This is a promise for you that we've been saved by his mercy, but we've also been washed. Our minds have been washed. Our hearts have been made new. And so the enemy of our souls wants to sneak in and give us some sort of substance in the spirit realm that wants to dilute, wants to pollute that surgery that has already taken place. But you can claim the power of the cross, that what he did at Calvary was all sufficient. What he did, so when the enemy, you know, sticks up his little head like one of those fair games, bobs up his head and tries to speak to you, to dissuade you, say, no, I know who I serve. I know who I'm following. I'm going the way that leads to life. I know that he's transformed my heart. He's continued to transform my mind, my stinking thinking, if you will, so that I can live and want what he wants. Let's be thankful that he leads us in transformation. And so I'm going to invite you, if you have your, um, your communion cups, this is a great time when we remember this transformation. It's the reality of what Christ has done in our life. As we looked in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, how can we have this new life? How is the old truly passed away? It says that everything has come from God and that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And yet he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He saved us. The apostle Paul who said, I am what I am by the grace of God said this. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And after blessing it, he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so let's take this way for symbolizing his broken body that was broken for us. And just take a moment to receive it in thanksgiving of this transformation that occurred on Calvary. Thank you, Jesus. And just take a moment. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. you're watching online and maybe this is a new experience to you, there's no set prayer or specific way to receive communion, but rather it's just an acknowledgement, a reception of what Christ has done, that he, his body was broken for us. He was beaten and pierced for our rebellion so that we could be made whole. In a similar matter, after dinner, Jesus took a cup of wine and turning to his followers, he said, this cup in my blood is my new covenant. In my blood which has been poured out for you. Drink, take in in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Let's partake together. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, by that transformation that you brought at Calvary. Thank you, Lord, because of what you did on the cross, that our lives were truly never the same, that you fulfilled what was prophesied through Ezekiel, that you would sprinkle clean our hearts and our minds by water and by baptism. You cleansed us by the pouring out of your shed blood on the cross at Calvary. And through that action on the cross, you unleashed the promise of your kingdom. You removed our heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh because of what you have done. And so, Lord, we thank you. We receive your sacrifice, your self-giving, selfless work of going to the cross in our place, the price that we could not pay. And then through you, we experience your mercy. That invitation to be part of his kingdom just by believing that you did this, that you fulfilled this once and for all on the cross at Calvary. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take these next few moments just to thank him as the worship team continues to play. Thank you, Father. When you think about it, today is a new day. Today is a new day. It's not by mistake that we're taking communion here today, the beginning of this new year, that the end of the matter is the beginning of what is new. The fact that this transformation occurred because of our faith, the old is gone. And so when you leave here today, even when you sing these songs, you can say, the old is gone. And I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. I'm a new son and daughter of the king. I have been transformed. And then now we can live, we can see that victory in our life. And we can say, devil, you have no permission in my life. I have the victory. I have the victory, amen? So I'm going to invite you to, to stand, if you will, for a moment in proclamation together as God's sons and daughters. 
as his assembly of this new life. And I invite you to stand and to, and if you feel able and comfortable, to raise your hands to heaven and welcome in this new life that you already have. I'm not saying you don't have it. You already have this new life. Let's welcome him. Let's be receptive to his manifest presence because truly those aspects in our life, he wants to continue that work that he promised to bring through to completion. Amen. Let's sing together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.